Good morning. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning to look closely at Scripture and to grow as a disciple of Jesus today. We've got a special treat this morning, so let's jump right into that. I don't know about you, but I've missed hearing our folks sing. I'm grateful to Connor, Hallie, and Abby for offering their voices and their gifts in praise of Christ today. At Moore Memorial, we seek to live as God's children, sharing the love of Christ through study, worship, and service. We're making plans and hopes that we'll be able to gather in person for worship sometime soon. We covet your prayers as we make those decisions. More information about the precautions we'll be taking should be coming to you early this week, so make sure to check your email and to keep someone who doesn't use email in the loop. Today's sermon focuses on the contrast that Peter draws between the perishable things passed on to us by our ancestors and the imperishable things offered to us by God our Father through His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. My prayer is that hearing the sermon today invites you to think about what it is in your life that will last. If God is calling you to give to support our ministries, you can do so at our website or by mailing in your check to P.O. Box 467, Winona, Mississippi, 38967. Let's pray. Eternal and gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you indeed allow us to call you Father. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak your word 
clearly to us today. Words that give us life, words that fill us with hope, words that inspire in us knowledge that there is an inheritance waiting for us in the heavenly places. We pray, Lord, that that would give us strength for our current trials and that it would fill us with faith so that we can live obediently during them. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our God, and our living hope. Amen. Our reading this morning comes from the first letter of Peter. We'll pick up in verse 17, and we'll go through verse 25. Hear this word. If you invoke as Father the one who judges all people impartially, according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew not of perishable but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That word is the good news that was announced to you. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What did your parents leave you? What did your ancestors leave to you as an inheritance? What sort of inheritance do you have or are you expecting? One of the basic truths of human existence is that families shape who we are. When Katie and I got married and she would go and do the shopping, I was shocked because she bought all the wrong kinds of things. She didn't know what clothes were supposed to smell like. In my house, clothes always smelled like Tide and Downy and Bounce. This is what normal clothes should smell like. No one had taught her the superiority of Zesta saltine crackers over literally everything else. And she still prefers spicy mustard to the classic yellow French's stuff. It made me question everything that I thought I knew about her, frankly. Worse, it made her question everything that she thought she knew about me. And her question was better. Who was I to think that just because it's the stuff that we used in my family that it was the right stuff. I did convince her on the saltines, though. All of that's a little bit silly, but it's easy for us to forget how much we inherit from the people that raise us and the people that raised them. The way we talk, the assumptions that we make, our political allegiances, our professional expectations, what we eat and how we prepare it, 
what we wear and when, what we drive, what we choose to pay other people to do for us and what we should do ourselves, what restaurants it's okay to eat at and which ones we ought to avoid, all of it, all of it we inherit from our parents and our parents' parents all the way down the line. And really it's the combination of all of these things that make us feel at home. If you don't believe me, go to another country and try to get American food, and it will not taste exactly the same as it does here. Feeling at home most of the time, maybe not in quarantine, but most of the time leaves us feeling safe and secure in a world that we know how to interact with. Peter is writing to the church in Asia Minor with people still living in the towns where they grew up with the same neighbors that they've always had. And he says, this is how to live in your time of exile. Know that you've been freed from the feudal ways that you've inherited from your parents, from your ancestors, by the imperishable imperishable blood of Christ. Peter's again drawing us back into what he said in the opening of the letter, that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us as those who are abiding in the hope of Christ. But exile, why are are they in exile living in the same homes where they've always lived? Because something about Jesus and following him, and believing in him, and setting their hope in him rather than anything else, has left them as strangers in their own hometowns. They've changed, and at a much deeper level than what sort of laundry detergent they use, or what they expect when they say mustard, all of their assumptions about how life works and what's important, and what they should spend their time on, how they, should, how they should go about their business, what's worthy of their effort and attention. All of that has been changed by Jesus as Peter calls them to be obedient to God the Father. And now they don't belong. They were at home in the world. They knew exactly what to expect because of their parents and their parents' parents' training, and now they do not belong any longer. They don't belong because they have a new father, a father who judges each one of us impartially according to our deeds. We all know that sometimes parents play favorites, And maybe even more important than that, sometimes the world plays favorites because of who our parents are or because of who we are. even comes out in questions of indignation sometimes. Do you know who my mom is? Do you know who my grandfather is? Do you know how much money I have? Do you know how important I am to this town? Do you know that I know your boss? And so on it goes. But in God's kingdom, it doesn't matter who you know or what your name is or what your parents' name is. He judges all impartially according to their deeds. If you're going to call him father, you should live obediently to him. Be holy even as God is holy. And his judgment should make you a little bit afraid. 
Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Scripture tells us. You should fear God's judgment enough for you to take it seriously, for you to be more afraid of what God thinks of you than what anyone else in the world thinks of what you're doing. God in no one else is the judge of all of our behavior. Now, we should take fear of the Lord seriously. Peter says that we should. But we should also pay attention to the fact that Peter's letter is not primarily about fear. Peter's letter is primarily about abiding in the hope that God has offered to us through the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of God. So you should live with respectful fear of God's judgment. And you should also remember that God, the entire story of God, is about his eagerness to offer you something other than judgment. From before the foundations of the world, Peter says, Jesus was destined to come into the world for your sake. For your sake and offer his precious blood like a lamb without blemish or spot. Now, that word your is plural. And we're going to come back to that next week and really focus on what Peter is talking about when he says your sake here. But for now, for now let's bear in mind that Jesus is functioning as the pure and spotless lamb that the world needs for its redemption for it to be redeemed from the things that hold it captive. So through him you have received redemption, and through him you have confidence in God, faith and confidence in God who has raised him from the dead. That's God's disposition towards you, that from the foundations of the world, Jesus was intending to offer his life for you and for me for our sake, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Your faith and hope are in God and not in your activity, but your activity should flow out of the awareness that you will be judged by God. The God that now you call Father and therefore are willing to obey. And that Father has called you to love. He's called you to obedience, and that obedience looks like love that we will love one another earnestly from the heart. And this is a basic component of the gospel. We don't get to be Christians by ourselves. This is why it's so important that sometime soon, I don't know when, but sometime soon, we begin to get together again to follow Jesus together. We don't get to be Christians by ourselves John Wesley says that the only holiness is social holiness. That is the only way that we grow in our capacity to be obedient to God is when others are holding us accountable and pressing us on towards the goal, loving one another with mutual affection earnestly from our hearts. We as the family of God have to love one another. And if there are other people who call God Father rightly— If God is your father and their father and my father, then we are all siblings. I am your brother, you are my sister or my brother, and all of us together are called to live as a family. We have a new father, a new inheritance, not the feudal things that we received from our ancestors, but 
an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And we're going to look next week at how our relationship with Jesus affects relationships with our brothers and sisters more closely as we look at how Peter describes the church. But for now, I want us to focus on these two verbs that Peter uses in this passage. That we have been ransomed by imperishable blood and that we have been born anew by the imperishable gift of the word of God. We've been ransomed and we've been born anew. When we say ransomed, that's not, that's not a word that we use all the time. And sometimes it gets flattened with the other words of salvation and redemption and everything else. But ransom or, or redemption, this idea harkens back most clearly in Scripture to the story of Exodus. That the people of Israel were trapped in captivity, they were slaves to Pharaoh, and God remembered them, and God used Moses... And he used the plagues to free them from Israel, to free them from Pharaoh in Egypt, not from Israel. God ransomed his people and brought them out of captivity, and he delivered them all the way to the Holy Land, the land flowing with milk and honey. He brought them out of captivity and into the life that that was always intended for them. And in the last plague, in the tenth plague, when the angel of death was, was wreaking havoc throughout all of Egypt, killing the firstborn children and the firstborn animals all across Egypt, the lamb, that they put the blood of the lamb, an unspotted, unblemished lamb over their doorway, ransomed Israel from the angel of death. Their firstborn were spared while Egypt had havoc wreaked throughout all of their land. You have been ransomed by the imperishable blood of Jesus, Peter says. You have been set free from captivity. You have been delivered from death, and you are being brought into the life that was always intended, which means that you've been born anew. This too harkens back to the first part of the letter where Peter says that you've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ our Lord. You're ransomed at a price, an imperishable offering, the blood of Jesus, and you have been born anew from an imperishable seed, the word of God. This imperishable gift has been planted in your life, in your very soul, and is springing up to offer you an imperishable, to make you an imperishable tree that produces imperishable fruit. You have been born anew by an imperishable seed. You've been ransomed, brought out of a life of captivity, and you have been brought into the new life, born into a new life that was always intended for you before the foundations of the world. So the blood of Jesus was offered for you before you knew anything was going on. Almost 2,000 years ago, 
this imperishable gift was offered. His blood poured out that did not take his life permanently from him. His blood which is poured out in the heavenly places, in the temple in the heavenly places, if we read the book of Hebrews, as he is our high priest, offering us forgiveness of our sins. His blood, the eternal sacrifice for our lives. And the word of God the imperishable seed that is planted in our souls. So let's talk about what the Word of God is. The Bible is not a weapon to be wielded, to be used to attack other people. It is not basic instructions before leaving earth, though it does do important work to teach us obedience and how to live faithfully. The Word of God is enduring, unchanging, imperishable, It is these things as a witness of the work of God among God's people. From the beginning of the world to its end, it tells the story of who God is and how God seeks to relate to us and to redeem us. Peter's already talked about how the prophets saw the Lord and spoke the truth of what would happen in Jesus for our benefit how the Holy Spirit was at work in them and how the same Holy Spirit was at work in the evangelist that brought the gospel to Asia Minor and to us. And the same Holy Spirit is present with us as we read. The word of God is a seed that cannot be destroyed, that is planted in us to grow into an imperishable faith that bears imperishable fruit, that not even death can kill it. And everything else Literally everything else is fading away. Nothing else cannot, can endure. Everything but the blood of Christ, everything but the word of God will perish. And the word of God that testifies to the grace and love of Jesus intended for us before the foundations of the world, that is why we can have a new father. Because what our ancestors had to offer to us apart from Christ is not an inheritance worth keeping. Whether what you received from your parents was love and affection and maybe even wealth, or if it was less than that, if your experience in your family was not something that you wanted to inherit, in either case, God our Father offers us everything we could long for, an inheritance that will satisfy us, that when viewed in the light of eternity, it is all worth it, even to be strangers in our own homes so that we can be faithful and obedient to the God who has loved us and gave up his son for us. And right now in this world of the coronavirus, people are grasping for something enduring to hold on to. They want something reliable. Whether we realized it or not, we were placing our hope in any number of things. Maybe medicine can save us. And it's true, medicine might find vaccines and treatments and testing or some combination of those things that will let us beat this in the long term. But for right now, we don't have it. And all of the strength of our military can't defend us from this. The august constitution and the elected officials who've sworn to defend it under its care cannot deliver us from this. The strength of our industrial and technological economy cannot deliver us from this. And people are desperate for something to hold on to. And though it might sound trite, 
What Peter says to the church in Asia Minor 2,000 years ago is still true for us today. That Jesus' self-offering for us is enduring and unfailing and we can trust it because we know about it through the word of God that even though everything else fades away, it will endure. The word of God in scripture and when faithfully preached and taught as empowered by the Holy Spirit will not wither or fall. Everything else that this world has to offer us, even we ourselves apart from Christ, wither and fall. But God's word never fails. God's word never falters. God's word never wanes. God's word never changes. God's word endures forever. One of the most fitting things about this message that Peter offers is that he doesn't say it in his own words. He says it in the words of what would have been his scripture without the New Testament as we have it now as an inheritance uh, as the church. He quotes the prophet Isaiah. These are Isaiah's words, that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord stands forever. One of my favorite uh, people who has pastored me through the years, Brian Sorgenfry, every, every week after he reads scripture, quotes this verse. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord stands forever. And the word of our Lord invites us to live lives obedient to the word of God because God has given us an inheritance of imperishable things by the gift of his imperishable blood. Everything else that the world has to offer us is going to wither up, it's going to fade, it's going to lose its enjoyment, it's going to offer diminishing returns, just like the grass turns brown and the leaves fall as winter comes. But God's word, God's word that gives us hope, that gives us hope in the blood of Jesus will stand through all the ages And the gift that we are inheriting through faith and hope stands forever too. So I want to invite you today to cling to that hope. To cling to that hope today and always. And to fall in love even more than before with the word of God in scripture and the word of God as it is shared among God's people as they seek to love God faithfully. Live in fear of the Lord who judges impartially. Be obedient to his calling. Love one another earnestly from your heart. And know that Jesus is winning the battle despite what the world looks like. Be ransomed by the blood of Jesus from the feudal ways of your ancestors that once held you captive. And move into the life that is offered to you by the seed of the imperishable word of God, planted in your soul. This is the invitation for you and for me today to live in hope and to live seeking the things that will not fade away even as the rest of the world seems to go. We pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you and we praise you that you have ransomed us by your blood from the things that once held us captive, that by your grace we can be delivered from the desires that once controlled us, from the dysfunction of our families, from the experiences that have broken us, that we can be healed, 
And Lord, that we can grow and prosper and abide with you in the new life planted in us by your word. We thank you that your word is reliable, that it is trustworthy in a time where it's hard to know who to listen to, that you yourself stand forever, and that your word is more certain than anything that we can touch or feel. Give us grace to trust you. Give us grace to follow you. Give us grace to be obedient to you. Give us grace to fear you. Give us grace to praise you for who you are and what you have done for us. That you planned from before the foundation of the world to send Jesus to care for us, to love us, and to offer himself for us. Let us trust that today and always, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from More Memorial UMC today. If you'd like to connect with us or give to support our ministries, you can find more information on our website, www.morememorialumc.com. If you haven't liked our Facebook page, we hope that you'll do that too. It'll help you stay connected to what's going on and help us reach more and more people with the love of Christ. If you'd like to visit with me in person, I'll be on the porch of the Fellowship House keeping safe distance uh, from 10 to 1130 on Tuesdays and Thursdays throughout the month of May. If you have any needs, let us know. And make sure to call a few folks this week, especially those who might be feeling isolated, to let them know that you love them, and even more importantly, to remind them that Jesus loves them. As 1 Peter says, let mutual love continue. All scripture readings from the, come from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible and are used with permission. All scripture readings used today come from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible and are used with permission. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.